Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Sports writers going AI. Ohio gets a visit from Trump. And what about the culture war? That means one thing and one thing only. It's a truth or fiction Tuesday. I'm Andrew Coppins. He's Pat Oni, And this is Critical Thinking. Welcome on into Critical Thinking. Like I said, I'm Andrew Coppins. I'm at The Coppins Show. He is Pat Oni at The Pat Oni Show on your socials. So do not forget to follow us and thank you to each and every single one of uh, one of you who tuned in, who uh, helped us set near a record for views um, on our interview with Daniel Horowitz yesterday for Rise of the Fourth Reich. Um, an absolutely fantastic book, and I can't wait to, again next Monday to start diving into chapters one and two. So if you have not gotten your book yet, please do so, and uh, we will uh, progress through the, the book over the probably what the next eight to 10 weeks or so. Yeah. I was going to say there's, there's um, really the, you know, the opening statement plus 20 chapters, a closing statement, and then the appendix. Right. So yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll probably cover the opening statement in chapters one and two tomorrow or not, not tomorrow, but on, on Monday, but it is a truth or fiction Tuesday. So why don't we just get right on into the truths or fictions? If you are new to the program, Here's how we do it. Both of us have multiple statements of truth or fiction, and um, we encourage the other participant to tell us whether they believe that statement to be truth or fiction, and we have a discussion. Shocking. A talk radio program, Pat, that right. talks about the news and views of the day. I, I know. Imagine that. All right. So let's go to my first truth or fiction and this is uh, a place that is near and dear to your heart. It is the great state of O-H-I-O, Ohio. Truth or fiction, Trump going to Ohio saves his 2024 presidential run. Truth or fiction, Trump going to Ohio saves his 2024 presidential run. Is that truth or fiction for you, Mr. Pat Oney? Uh, I'm going fiction. Mm, okay. I think I think 
this would be true if it were worded this helps his 2024 presidential run because it does it does help him does okay. it save it i i don't know that it does and and here's here's why i say that one you still have all this classified document crap that's going on two you've got all these issues with the jab and covid still going on from from his presidential campaign that he's seemingly not willing to take accountability for and I think he's going to lose votes that way, too. Uh, thirdly, uh, this area in Ohio went heavily for Trump anyway. So any area not affected in Ohio, I think, could still be up for grabs. Does it look good? Absolutely. I mean, this looks better than our president going to freaking Ukraine in secret. So does it help him? For sure it helps him. I, I, I would totally agree with that. Does it save it? I don't think so. I think that's fiction. Mm. Okay. So I'm going to call this truth. And here's why. Because I okay. believe that his 2024 presidential run was on the rocks prior to this situation happening. And I would suggest that he saved any potential to win the 2024 nomination by making this move. Now, I agree with you that there's a juxtaposition that is going on here because like you said, you've got the classified document situation and we don't know where that's necessarily going to go down the road. Right? right. Right. But the other juxtaposition is all of the things that he is doing when it comes to Ron DeSanctimonious and, and uh, his absolutely grotesque attack on Ron this, right. this past weekend. Right. So I'm going to go with this being truth because my question to you would be this. What are people going to remember? Him tweeting or truth truthing or whatever the hell they call it on Truth Social, right? Uh, right. Posting on Truth Social. Or are they going to remember the fact that he's the one who forced the federal government into finally helping these people in East uh, Palestine, right? It's a fair point. Um, or Palestine, sorry. Yeah, it was... I I I still say fiction in that regard, though, just because I think, you know, I, I think what would really save his presidential run at this point is to be absolved of anything in this classified document situation. And that that's uh, fair enough. I, yeah. I think the the thing that I'm looking at is this is something that you can build your campaign around, right? Oh, you, I, you can like remind said, the people them. that that you're the one who who got results. And right. when I look at Trump, right, <clears throat> I think the the hard part for a lot of us or the hard pill for a lot of us to swallow has been all of the um, accoutrement, if you will, or the 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 things around, right, the things mm -hmm. that surround him. But when you get to the core, right, his ability to provide action on items is what people really have loved. And right. whether you agree or disagree with the wall. He got action on that. Did it go all the way? Was it paid for by Mexico? Of course not. Anybody who believed that believed the bill of goods from the very get-go um, when it comes to that. But he got some action on the wall. He did, did a lot of really good things. And this is the reminder that people need of the things that he was able to accomplish because he has probably the largest bully pulpit of anybody. And at his core, he is a very effective politician. He that's is. what he, he and people need to realize that that's this is the genius of Donald Trump from 
the very get-go is that his entire life he has been a very good politician. He has been able to get the likes of Hillary and Bill Clinton. He's able to navigate the the New York City um, you know, real estate mumbo jumbo that goes on there. He's able to politic and and play both sides and do all of these things to build his own brand to start to stardom to all of the things, right? And yes, some things failed. Trump University, Trump stakes, and blah, 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 blah. We could talk all about those things. At the end of the day, though, he still was able to use those even failures to build what? To keep building the rung. And this is a this is another reminder because whom was there? And all you have to be able to do as people start to shift from normal everyday life to looking at the presidential election, probably about five to six months, is I point to this. I point to that. I point to this. Now, of course, we all know the, the other things. What I am saying is that <clears throat> this is the positive reminder that people need for Trump to have the platform. Otherwise, he's dead in the water because of all the things that you have talked about. That's where I came out on this as truth. I can I can see your point as this is fiction because I can make the argument that, he, again, it is dead in the water as it stands. And more importantly, we don't understand or know necessarily where Ron DeSantis's campaign is going to go. Now, we don't also know if he's really going to run. I would suggest he would be stupid not to run um, because where does he go from a lame duck uh, governorship? Right. 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 So I. Yeah, I can see both sides of this. I'm going to go with truth on this one, though. All right, Pat. Any, any thoughts on what I had to say there? Uh, no, I, you made a lot of great points. I, I, I still think it feeds back into my point, though. I'm like, yes, it absolutely helps him. Don't, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I think that's pretty obvious. But at the same time, you know, with his rhetoric and stuff like that in recent weeks with Ron DeSantis, and then you got all these other issues that, that he's going on with. If, if this were the only thing that happened between now and. Mm-hmm say the next year with Trump and he didn't like put his foot in his mouth, then I, then I would say maybe this is really true, but you know, give it a week or two. He's going to do something dumb again. And we're, right, we're back but, to but square he's done one. that his entire life. He has done that his true, entire true. career. That's, that's, uh, that, that, that's a fair point. I'm just saying, I don't, I don't know that it's the saving point. I just think it's a helping point. Okay. That's fair enough. All right, let's move forward, though, to your first truth or fiction. Truth or fiction, this is how you fight the culture war. Uh, Pat, what is this? Well, so here's – I'm going to explain this a little bit. Um, okay. If you listen to the Steve Day show on Friday, he got a email from a professor. That professor, by the way, uh, happened to be my – microeconomics professor in college. So I reached out to that professor and I asked him for that email. And so I'm going to read it right now. And then this will fit right into that, this statement. This past weekend, I attended my very first drag queen story hour and I left inspired, but it wasn't the show that inspired me. Rather than pulling the the minds and and souls of innocent children, 
The drag queens and other demonic performers read their stories and performed their acts before a solemn, resolute, and prayerful crowd of adult Christian conservatives. To be sure, these good Christians came out to the event not to be entertained, but to stand in the in the gap between those who wanted who want to drag all the kids into their own demonic world and the innocent children dragged to such a wicked event by their sick moms. Here's how it went down. After the announcement of a DQSH uh, to be held at, at the Marshall Public Library in Pocatello, Idaho, on a, su- a Saturday in February, several pastors of different churches and de- denominations organized their coalition of willing grown-ups to come early, occupy the seats, and stand between the, the perverts on stage and their targets, innocent children. My wife and I arrived 30 minutes before showtime. All but four seats were occupied and soon every seat and much of the standing room was taken entirely by the Christian army. A few minutes later, two woke moms squeezed into the back of the room with four kids in tow. The show was about to begin when one of the moms, not so quietly, complained to her children how sad it was for them not to be in front and how difficult it was for them to, to see all the way back, uh, she entirely missed the point. Two minutes into the show, as planned, one of the pastors explained to the library director how the maximum occupancy of the room was clearly violated by the crowd size. The director, well-trained bureaucrat, was forced by his own rules to clear the room of all those not seated, including the moms and kids. The moms and woke supporters were forced to leave the event. There were 10 to 15 other children who made it into the room in the first place. Kids would not be partaking, partaking in the debauchery. The performers void of any child targets of their parents in the room nonetheless persisted in their show. They were not happy but I guess they were stupidly and arrogantly thought they could teach the Christian crowd a thing or two about their sickness. Their two book readings and one ukulele sing-along were met with silent, defiant defenders of family, values, and God's commandments. The audience did not applaud, did not sing, did not participate. Instead, they quietly read their Bibles, bowed in prayer, and thereby peacefully protected children it was inspiring it was spiritual despite the demons reading and relating immoral and vile alternatives to god's law the warmth and comfort of god's love filled the room and overpowered the demons i was deeply moved of our cause god's cause requires action and dedication as you mentioned last week on your show and this being Steve Dace's show, um, do do not call out the demons unless you are ready to and committed to take the battle to them down with your swords. Showing up to these battlegrounds will give us small wins at first, 
but it will also embolden the demons to build their own forces, sharpen their, their tactics, and increase their fervor. We need to overpower them. As Elisha said in uh, to his servant, when I looked like they were facing a insurmountable army in Second um, Kings, fear not, for they will be <clears throat> for they will be with us more than they that be with them. Elisha asked the Lord to open his servant's eyes, so that he too could see the multitudes of horses, chariots, and warriors standing at the ready to win the day. We are in a culture war. It is indeed crazy versus normal. Better put it is demonic versus God-fearing. We should be confronted by Elisha's account. Indeed, more of us than he with, with them. However, we must engage. We must act. I pray that we do this, we, we do just that. Saturday's win at, at DQSH gives me hope. I appreciate you and your team standing in the gap daily. You give my wife and me courage and hope. We will not back down. Kind regards in liberty and Christ. Robert M. Nate, Ph.D. Like a, like a uh, real doctor, not a Joe Biden doctor of, of words? He's a professor of economics. Yes. That's so, a real doctor. Like, yes. Uh, that's a uh, real social science. Yes. Um, and by the way, this is the, the fruit of the efforts by the group Mass Resistance and their Pocatello chapter. Um, and that's Pocatello, Idaho. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I had him back in the, the winter of 2009 um, for a micro. I was debating on whether or not to minor in economics. Mm-hmm. And I took his class. He was a fun teacher. Um, decided not to minor in economics because I suck at math. But um, see, I suck yeah. at math as well, and I I passed both AP macro and microeconomics exams somehow, some way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I, I passed the class, of course, but it was just I'm like, man, if if this is if this is this tough, yeah. I mean, what what is exactly. it like getting yeah. Further classes. Yeah. So when when I saw what they were requiring of a finance degree, which was my original yeah. thought process, I was like, no effing way. <laughs> now that being said, I I have to get back to truth or fiction here because you, right. you wanted me to know if this if this is how you fight the culture war. This is absolutely truth, and here's why: it's three pronged for me. Right. What if we, what is the theme of this show in 2023? Confrontation. confrontation. That that is direct confrontation, right? Peaceful confrontation, but it is a direct confrontation with the spirit of the age. It is a direct confrontation to the ideology, because let's be clear on this, okay? And there are multiple people who who admit this. If you talk to the LGBTQ, LMNOP, tilde, ampersand, blah, blah, blah sign, right? If you talk to people in this community, they will readily admit. It's an ideology. It's an identity, right? Just as you being a Christian is an ideology, okay? Now, it's a religion. It's a fervent spiritual belief, but it is the same on the other side. It, But for us, it is a demonic, spirit-of-the-age performance that is being done. So how do you win a culture war without confronting it? 
You can't. You will be the first ones run over. It won't be the people who actually are fighting the war, by the way. They will they will roll right over your ass first. Okay? They're going to roll over you who refuse to play the game first. Why? Because you want to sit on the sideline. Because you are going to try to accept both sides. You can't both sides this. This doesn't work. Okay? You can't live in the middle of this. You will find that out the hard way real fast. You'll find a red line that somebody's going to cross that will put you one way or the other. Now, secondly, Pat, what was the theme of last year on the show? Uh, get used to different. Is this getting used to different? How many yeah. how many Christian groups are going to go in front of this type of demonic uh, indoctrination, if you will? And directly confront it. Not many. We we have become too too comfortable being insular, right? And, and right. I mean this in the sense of we'll talk about these things inside the church, right? And this will be inside the four walls. This will be things that you'll hear from the pulpit or or from the you know whatever your denomination calls it, right? These are things that you might hear about, but there's no action behind most of it, right? It's rhetoric. This is direct action. And then third and finally, this is the recognition that needs to happen in the culture war, is that this is a culture, okay? This is not a, this is, I was born this way. No, no, no. This is a culture. This is an attempt at indoctrination. This is an attempt to turn a, a group because we've seen this go further and further down the road. If this was just about I was born this way, right, it would be over. You've, got, you've gotten the, the civil rights that you want, right? You've gotten them. There's not a single civil right that you do not have as a L member of the LGBTQ community. Not a single one. Not one. But when I talk to members of this community, right? Notice how they say community. No, it's a culture. It's not just a community. They will readily let you know this is a sexual identity. This is a sexual thing. And they're dead on, right? There, there's nothing about this that is that is not sexual in nature. Your identity has been, and this is the thing that people get ticked off about a lot, is that you look at the Guy Bensons, you look at some of the other people who, um, Brad, I think it's Brad Palumbo, host of, uh, co-host of Base Politics, right? A libertarian who is openly gay. Okay, but what other people are talking about is that the flag, right? The supposed gay pride flag, what is it? It is a sexual, it is a, it is a symbol of sexualization because it's not about it's they've reduced this this group down to the things that they like to do sexually. That's it. That's all you can identify with as if there's nothing else in the life, right? Nothing else. They've been boiled down to that. It would be the in a lot of them, especially people that I've talked to that are 
of minority status in terms of being black or or whatever have you in that community. Am I supposed to be reduced to my race or my sexual identity? Or am I supposed to be an individual and you treat me as such? These are things that people need to think through. This is a thousand percent truth for me as well for all the points that you just laid out. Um, and and on top of that, I think, you know, this is this is how you fight a culture war. You don't fight it with violence. You fight it with this confrontation, but confrontation with. With love, uh, with love. Yeah, there was nothing. There was nothing evil. There was nothing violent. They sat there silently, right? What they did is they took the space. That's it. They took the space and they sat there. That's confrontation to the spirit of the age. That is a direct, uh uh-uh, ain't going to happen here. Nope. Mm. And maybe, and then we we haven't even talked about this, right? The Asbury revival and uh, what's been going on at Asbury College in, in Kentucky, right? We're on, what, day nine? This happened last, not this previous Sunday, but the Sunday before, in which they felt a, a, a revival happening or the spirit moving them about 10 minutes after um, mass had ended. And there's been a revolving door of people occupying that space continuously preaching and praying and acting in revival uh, of the spirit. in. We also had the president of Asbury College getting online, emailing all of the kids, right, and saying to all the students, I encourage you to attend. Say what? Like like an actual, like a, a private parochial college actually still believing in the things that they are supposed to have been founded in? I mean, you look at Marquette, right, or Duke, or New, or Notre Dame, even, right. Where, where, where's your practice of the religion that you were founded upon? Or, I mean, you can go down the road of countless other places, right? But this is a confrontation and a realization of of where we are as a culture. There, there's no question about it, one way or the other. Whether you want to talk about the revival or the confrontation. Um, that took place in Pocatello, Idaho. But it's only Pocatello, Idaho. If you know anything about Pocatello, Idaho, you should know that it is the home of what? The University of Idaho, right? Uh, Idaho State. Or Idaho State. Yeah, that's what I meant. Sorry. Uh, Moscow is the home of University University of of Idaho, Idaho, which is absolutely hilarious. Irony, by the way. But (laughs) um, neither here nor there. But the, the overall point of this is that in one space, we are confronting our own feelings and thoughts uh, on our own spirituality, right? In the Asbury Revival situation. In the other one, we are confronting a culture that has devolved to this point. And I have always argued the other thing that we have talked about is meekness, right? So there's really a fourth thing. There's this meekness involved in this. They executed power under control. And confronted the ever-loving crap out of these individuals. And it drove them apparently insane, right? That they they couldn't indoctrinate. But if this was just about, 
right? And this is the point of this confrontation. If it was just about an entertainment factor, right? If it was just about providing entertainment to kids and and a way to encourage them to read, right? Why are you mad? What has upset you? Oh, you were hoping over the course of that hour to be able to do what? Indoctrinate them, to expose them to your sexual identity. That's the reality of this situation. There is nothing not sexual about what was going on and what goes on in these things. We've seen that time again. We could play all the things about them, you know, rubbing their crotches in, in the faces of four-year-olds and, and uh, you know, exposing them to other body parts and just the sick, sick nature of all of this. But I hope people understand that this is a prime example of how you fight this culture war with direct, loving, peaceful, sometimes silent, confrontation. You directly assault them in their face with love and kindness in the words of the gospel. That's it. You don't need to be violent. You don't need to get loud. You don't need to do anything. Other than that, be in the space and watch what they do. They're going to lose their ever-loving mind, and they're going to lose because of that. As long as you do this confrontation with meekness. So I think this is a perfect example of that. All right, Pat, it is Tuesday, and that means it's my turn for the B or not the B. Are you ready to play? I'm always ready to play. All right. So I had a really tough time debating between the two headlines that I that I have here. Okay. So I'm going to give you one, and then I'm going to give you the one that I didn't go with. Okay? Okay. Okay. Public schools are so violent that a Ukrainian refugee wants to go back to a literal war zone to escape them. What? Public schools are so violent that a Ukrainian refugee wants to go back to a literal war zone to escape them. Is that the B or not the B, Mr. Padoni? And while you are thinking on that subject, do not forget, folks, you can help support this program and, more importantly, companies getting away from politics in general by going to our friends over at coffeebrandcoffee.com. Again, that is coffeebrandcoffee.com. Tons of great coffee, tea, Hot cocoa. Pat loves the hot cocoa. I enjoy their coffee. Um, I love the salted caramel. I, I've had that one. I'm waiting on the next uh, shipment coming my way. But if you go over to Coffee Brand Coffee, where they focus on small batch, individually roasted, and packaged coffee, and not your politics or their politics, you can also go to checkout and enter the promo code Critical Thinking for 5% off of your purchase today. Again, go to coffeebrandcoffee.com, enter the promo code Critical Thinking at checkout for 5% off of your purchase today. Coffee Brand Coffee, where they focus on coffee and not politics. All right, do you need the headline one more time? Yeah, one more time. Public schools are so violent that a Ukrainian refugee wants to go back to a literal war zone to escape them. Is this the B or not the B? Wow. Um, I, I'm just 
I'm gonna I'm just gonna flat out guess because I have no idea. I really have no idea on this one. This is a really hard one. I'm just gonna guess and say not to be. I and I have no idea why. You are correct, my friend. Because the full headline is San Francisco's public schools are so violent that a Ukrainian refugee wants to go back to a literal war zone to escape them. The headline uh, is this from, I think this is from the San Francisco Chronicle, but I'm not totally sure. Anyway, she fled the war in Ukraine, but failed to find a safe haven in San Francisco Middle School. From Breitbart News is another uh, headline here. A Ukrainian refugee girl who settled in San Francisco with her mother is finding public school in the city so violent that she longs to return to her war-torn country where she feels children are less cruel to one another. Yes, Mr. Patoni. Of all the places that you could go in the United States as a refugee, you go to San Francisco? There's probably a good Ukrainian community. I would suggest uh, Chicago is a place to go because there's a massive Ukrainian community here. Uh, But anyway, uh, the San Francisco Chronicle reported on Sunday. It didn't take Yana long to realize that her life in her eighth grade classes at Marina Middle School was nothing like the scenes that played out on her television screen. Students interrupted classes, jumped on desks, cursed at teachers. At first, Yana wondered what was going on, but then... Nothing happened, quote unquote. Students were not disciplined or prevented from repeat behavior. Yano just wants to go back to her hometown in central Ukraine, back to the only school she knew before the war, even as her mother and aunt have started to research camps and other programs in San Francisco to occupy the summer months. How long did it take Yano to realize how bad these schools were? Take a, take a guess. Two days. <laughs> exactly two days. Yep. <laughs> Quote, I thought it was going to be better because it's San Francisco, she said in Ukrainian with her aunt translating. But after two days, I saw everything going on at the school. Within a month, the refugee teen had experienced enough violence in San Francisco's public schools to stop going for fear of her own safety. This is from the article. Within a month at Marina, Yana said someone stole her cell phone in the cafeteria. Then a group of students who she believed was responsible threatened her. Yana knew enough English to understand the gist. They started yelling and cursing and moving towards her, her aunt said of the early February encounter. A counselor came and intervened. The next day, Yana stopped going to school. There's more. The pandemic lockdowns greatly exacerbated behavioral issues, according to an assistant superintendent in the district. Students who were in elementary school suddenly found themselves thrust into middle school with years of missing social development. A lack of staffing has only compounded the issue. Quote, they were in fourth grade when everything shut down, said Han Fung, San Francisco Unified Assistant Superintendent of Middle Schools. Then they jumped into middle school. The students are still reeling, she said. Remember, folks were in their houses and not having to deal with other kids and emotions. This is a kind of a you problem. This, yeah. is, this is on you. At the yeah. same time, by the way, schools are struggling to address the needs of students amid a teacher substitute and counselor shortage, a combination that often leaves administrators and support staff filling in for math class rather than working to stem behavioral issues. San Francisco residents recalled three of the far left school board members last year, but leftists regained a majority after November's elections. Decades of leftist control has produced failing schools filled with violent children that are so unhinged and barbaric that a girl from a literal war zone is desperately trying to escape them 
to go back home. Now, you may be wondering, which is the other <laughs> headline that I didn't choose? From the Babylon Bee, Project Veritas resigns from Project Veritas. <laughs> oh, wait, that actually happened. That, yeah, that, 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 yeah, that, that, Cause, that, that was from the Babylon Bee? Yeah. Yep. Project I Veritas mean, resigns from Project Veritas. Their Jane entire Turkey article? Project Veritas. Their entire article, Pat? Uh-huh. Headline says it all. <laughs> but seriously, uh, yesterday we we get the news that uh, apparently James O'Keefe, who literally is Project Veritas, how do you have Project Veritas without him? This isn't like um, building a business and moving forward, right? Uh-huh. No, no. James O'Keefe was the heart, not just the heart and soul, but he was literally the person who created this thing. He, and without him, how do you have this style of journalism? That's the thing I don't understand. Where the hell is Project Veritas going to go without James O'Keefe? Forget what we do or don't know about his quote unquote leadership style or whatever is going on behind the scenes. Uh, uh, What? How does anybody like the the only reason people really trusted the public facing version of of Project Veritas is because they trusted James O'Keefe to give reality. I I, I mean who he's who either going to start replace him with that mm-hmm. uh, that will allow you to continue to operate as a business. I don't know. I don't know. It it's uh, I and, mean and the guy profit the- business at that, but still a business. Right. I mean, the guy that did the uh, the recent Pfizer thing um, where they were outside the, I think it was a Conrad Hotel in, in D.C., mm-hmm. he was okay, but I, get, I can tell you right now, he's no James O'Keefe. Yeah, it's going to be so, very interesting to see what happens. I, I just It boggles my mind the absolute coup that took place there, and yeah. wouldn't you know who was behind most of it? <clears throat> Somebody who's taken multi-thousands of dollars from, wait for it, Pfizer. Pfizer. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, either James O'Keefe's going to do something new, like he'll start something new, or or someone like the Daily Wire, the Blaze, are going to pick him up, is my prediction there. So Fair enough. That, that absolutely could happen. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to brand new spanking truth or fictions. Um, let's go with your second truth or fiction first. Okay. And your second truth or fiction is this. Talk of national divorce is evil rhetoric. Talk of national divorce is evil rhetoric. And what are we talking about? National divorce? Who who said national divorce? I mean, I know Uh, that we have talked about that potential here on the program in the past. Yep. So um, maybe maybe we need to give some context before i talk about truth or fiction here pat okay so uh this is coming from marjorie taylor green who said in a tweet we need uh a national divorce we need to separate by red states and blue states and shrink the federal government everyone i talk to says this from the sick and disgusting woke culture issues shoved down our throats to the democrats traitorous america last policies we are done 
Um, but but I noticed something in there, Pat. Um, there was did, a did response you from uh, from your governor. And that response was, this rhetoric is destructive and wrong and honestly evil. <clears throat> we don't need a divorce. We need marriage counseling. And we need elected leaders that don't profit by tearing us apart. We can disagree without hate. Healthy conflict was critical to our nation's founding and survival, courtesy of one Spencer J. Cox. And, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, Pat, but Spencer J. Cox is... Uh, Spencer Cox, the governor of the great state of Utah. Well, and it's not really Spencer J. Cox. It's more like Spencer he, him, Cox. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. <sighs> uh, but yeah, so, no, this this came from him. This came uh, in, so again, in response. Truth or fiction is the talk of national divorce evil rhetoric. Right. And I got to go with fiction. And here's why. Just Talking about it, just saying it, is not evil. We have to be able to say what and think and say what we're thinking. We have to. That, that's the point of critical thinking. Can we ask tough questions? Can we say tough things? I could disagree with how Mar Marjorie Taylor Greene has decided to tell us we need this national force and how you... Oh, you put it together. I could absolutely do that. But at the same point in time, is this really evil? What? What? Hey, Spencer, I got, I got a question for you, Mr. Governor. What do you do with people who want to destroy your way of living? They want to destroy you. They would like to see you never be able to practice your religion, uh, bow down to every whim, every day, every new thing. You know, we talked about this off air, Pat. It, feminism right now has, has become basically either accept men taking over women's roles in sports and culture and society, or you're a woman hater. What? You look at what's going on with Leah Thomas and the expose, because I'm also struggling with this, Pat, right? We're supposed to accept that Leah Thomas is a man who is now a woman dating another man who is now a woman, but they're lesbians. Wouldn't that just be two dudes? Yeah. Dating each other? Yeah, I'm confused. Right, so so to be a feminist today, you must accept that premise, right? Otherwise, you are anti-woman. Hell no. And my question continuously has been: How do you function side by side in a society like that? You, it is one thing to fight over, like tax policies or this law or that law, it is a wholly different thing for me to have to accept what is not reality. When I know that there's an objective reality in front of me, you are asking me to either accept your subjective reality 
or be cast out of society? I'm going to go with no, and I'm going to fight that. But furthermore, when it comes to this, though, Pat, my question is, is national divorce an answer to that? I don't know. I really don't know what that answer is. Sometimes I come down on the fact that, yeah, I think that's probably a good idea, but how do you do it? Do you separate into like five different sections of the country because because the Pacific Northwest is largely one way, with the exception of Idaho and Montana, right? Then you then you look at the southeast, it's basically all red, right? So is that a separate side? You look at the Midwest, it is basically with the exceptions of Iowa, South Dakota, um, and Indiana, all blue. What do you do? What do you do? How do you how do you do that? Then the Northeast is all its own, right? So you're separating yourselves into what? Six different, five different categories here? How do you do it, right? And and I understand the sentiment of Marjorie Taylor Greene, but the suggestion by Spencer Cox that this is evil rhetoric, no, it's not. This is a discussion that needs to happen in this country because one side is going to win. That's the reality here. It's going to win for now. This fight may not go away all the way because I can argue that this is really a spiritual fight rather than a cultural fight. But the reality of the situation is that somebody is going to win and wield the power of winning. And if it is the side of accept my subjective reality, you bigot, I don't don't know how you handle this without either national divorce or something that is one of the most evil things that we'll ever see in human history. And what I mean by that is that When you study the Bolsheviks and Mensheviks, when you study Pol Pot, when you study all of the the dictators of the 20th century, when they win the cultural war, because that's what they do first, right? What comes next? The purge, so that either you bow to the whim or you get purged one way or the other, by the way, whether that is your forced underground or dead or just dead. On the flip side of that, Pat, if if our side is to win that cultural war, is that what is good? Is that the reality that they face going forward? No, I I would suggest that it, it's time that we maybe start looking at consolidating where we live. I I just don't know how how you do it because because America is not an ethno state, right? America was an idea state, an ideal state, and has always been that way. That means it's a cultural state. And it always has been, by the way. And the suggestion by Spencer Cox for me that, well, our our founders had a healthy respect for each other. Uh, not always, by the way. Um, Aaron Burr, anybody? Yeah. Uh, that, that was um, they my first dueled topic. to the death over financial and cultural policy over whether we were going to have a national bank or not, whether we were going to have a king or a president and the power of the presidency, right? 
none of hardly any of these people actually physically got along. They were vehement enemies, the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists. Did they come together to form around certain principles? Absolutely, but they fought vehemently, sometimes to the death, over how to execute those principles. Yep. <coughs> that is just a fundamental misunderstanding of this. So it is absolute fiction for me. Uh, it's fiction for me as well, and and I... I agree with what you just said, but I also came down on it on a sense of maybe we shouldn't be trying to save America anymore. Maybe we should be trying to defeat it. And by that, I mean. Yeah. Speaking the, of the revival, culture, right? Right. Right. The, the current, the current culture that we're in, um, you know, America as, as it is right now is not the America that, was founded. It's not the America that I would even say that I grew up with in the nineties. Um, and, and even in largely the early two thousands, it's completely different. I don't recognize it anymore. And so I'm not saying national divorce is the answer, but I am saying it probably should at least be a conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's the only solution. But what give me alternatives? And what the hell does he mean by marriage counseling in this case? Because you can't you can't reconcile with those that want to destroy you. You can't. There's you can't. no reconciliation, exactly. There is no reconciliation with a with an ideology that believes your existence is bigotry. Right. That believes that your skin color is bigotry. That believes that the there, there's no reconciliation between a, a culture that believes your your character and your individuality matters versus your collectivism. And and especially uh, whatever Trump's whatever ideological line or racial line or anything else that you want to define it as inside that woke culture. It is ultimately individuality versus collectivism. Right. That's, that's really kind of where we are, whether you want to label that socialism versus capitalism or free markets, blah, blah, blah. It, it, that is ultimately an individualistic pursuit. So, yeah, I agree with you 100 percent. If Spencer Hehem Cox wants to um, prove me wrong or prove us wrong and you know provide alternatives. You know, give us give us solutions, give us answers on this, because just saying this is evil rhetoric. I mean, you're not doing yourself any favors. Absolutely. All right. So with that being said, it is time for us to get to my second truth or fiction. Truth or fiction. AI will make sports writing great again. Artificial intelligence will make sports writing great again. Truth or fiction, Pat. I thought about this. Last night when you sent when you sent this to me, um, and I ultimately came down to fiction. Mm, okay, and 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 I I, I think you're probably going to disagree with me on this, and that's fine. But the reason why I came down with fiction is, first of all, personally, I really struggle with the concept of AI. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think I think if you put you know evil actors behind AI, you're going to have evil AI. And that includes in the world of journalism. 
And so you think things are woke now. I could see it really going woke with under AI based upon who's behind it. Um, secondly, going just from a purely writing standpoint, there's you're losing something by eliminating the human element mm. uh, in, in terms of writing, whether that's sports, politics, what have you. I, I think you're losing something. So I, I ultimately came down on fiction. No, that that is fair enough. Um, and you're right. I think this is for me. This is truth, and and here's why. While I agree with you that there's the potentiality for this to go more woke, what is Sports Illustrated doing, right? Because we, this is really a, a situation in what Sports Illustrated has done over the last week. They've eliminated tons and tons of sports writing jobs. They have admitted they're going to use AI technology. Here's why I think this is going to make it great again. Because we're going to turn back, we're going to turn away from politically, ideologically driven content to just strictly sports again. Over the last 20 years, what have we seen? The progressive nature of asking questions that have nothing to do with the game and everything to do with what True. happened on social media or what happened with uh, this political thing or that political thing or this cultural thing or that cultural thing as if they have any sort of more insight than you or I or Joe Schmo sitting in the backyard on a Friday night, you know, tailgating before um, their their local, you know, football game or Joe Schmo um, going to the tailgates on Saturdays before, you know, the, the big Ohio State or Wisconsin game, right? Mm -hmm. I go back to this. It can't get any worse. 98, again, 98% of everybody in the sports rating world that was surveyed voted for Obama's second, or voted for Hillary Clinton. 98. That is worse than the 90% of the overall journalistic world. Now, I will, I will say this, the caveat being this, there's still a need for um, beat writers. There's still a need for people telling human stories in sports, because that's ultimately the thing that attracts people, right? Is, is that hum, right, right. human nature story. But the days of infusing the political narrative into the story about the game or the story about this player or that player are done. Uh, you know, uh, look at, look at what happens with Aaron Rodgers, or look, look at what's going on with players who buck the norm, if you will, right? The normies uh, of the sports writing world. How dare you look at what's going on with the, really the, the largest of the panic porn pushing crowd was whom the sports writers. I have never seen a profession in my entire life, Pat, that has decided to say, yeah, screw it. Right. I, I'm going to, I'm going to screw myself out of a job. In the pursuit of panic. Like, we can't possibly start a league back up. We can't do that. I can't possibly want to do my job. No, 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 don't do that. What? What are you talking about? While literally tens of millions of people were wondering where their next paycheck is coming from over the course of an entire summer or an entire year mm -hmm. for a lot of people. That's insane. They were rooting for their the, the things that they cover and the businesses that they cover to continue to shut down and continue to not play and continue to not do anything. 
I'm fine. If AI wants to replace those individuals or lessen their importance on what gets told and what isn't told and how the game is covered, I'm cool with it. Because here's the reality. The, the game story is a formulaic story. An, a, an AI algorithm can tell you what happened. Now, we also have a culture that has been rotted in terms of sports by a lot of what's taking place on sports talk radio, right? Where, where, where's the root of this political bullshit? It isn't sports talk radio because it went from Jim Rome and others like him talking about the actual freaking games, right? And the, and the culture around the game in, in terms of the actual players and, and, you know, debating the ins and outs of this or that, you know, element of a game or the upcoming game or this sport versus that sport, right? The the whole soccer, anti-soccer thing. We've gone so far away from that when it comes to most sports talk radio. It's about, did you see what Aaron Rodgers said about this political thing? Or did you see that he didn't take the vaccine? What does that have to do with what's going on on Sunday? Nothing. Nothing. We've gone so far off the rails that I think this brings us back to being on the rails. And with that, Pat, your final thoughts. Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And to Spencer, he, him, Cox, give us solutions, not talking points. Please be smart, be safe, be kind. Make sure you eat all of your meals today. And as always, Matthew 547. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.